Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Inquisitive Introvert Podcast. I am joined today by CEO and founder of Lannister Holdings, Mr. Joseph Snyder. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Oh, so excited about this. What is Lannister? Lannister Holdings is a Phoenix-based, publicly traded company focused on real-world applications of future technologies, such as distributed ledgers, Internet of Things, 5G technologies, but with a core focus on building the enterprise generation of tools and technologies on blockchains. This is just a question for me, Mr. Snyder. What is blockchain? Like, I hear a lot about it. Is it related to Bitcoin or how does it work and how does it enhance the business? A couple of things. First of all, I am the CEO of Lannister Holdings, and Lannister Holdings is a publicly traded company. We traded under the ticker symbol NBDR on the US OTC market. You can just go Google us, check it out. And that's a fun thing to have. And then Lannister Development is our client-facing blockchain and software development brand. And then we have Lannister Capital, which is our brand that is focused on the deployment of and use cases of and proof of concept of financial transactions and investments, syndicated investments and real estate investments with blockchain. That's who we are and what I do. I am not a tech guy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a mergers and acquisitions guy. I've got a background in risk management. I've bought and scaled and sold companies. So my explanation of blockchain to all of these super blockchain geeks out there, don't hold it against me. I'm not a coder. That's what Chris and our CTO and Jonathan Parnell, our CDO, are there for and our beautiful, brilliant development teams. But a blockchain is a distributed ledger. It is an immutable ledger where the state of data is recorded in a hash, like taking a picture of a state of data, a total viewpoint of the data that is there, and cryptographically hashing that. And then when there is another state of data, instead of changing the entire state permanently, as you would do on, say, a server now, right? You have something on the server, it says XYZD, and then you change that to, say, XYZA. And now it just says XYZA. With a blockchain, you would see that previously it said XYZD, and now it says XYZA. It is a permanent, immutable ledger of states of data. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to record financial transactions on things like smart contracts. And there's a few different blockchains that are built and designed and deploying for smart contracts. Or it allows you to do things like have cryptocurrencies or do financial transactions or record financial chains of title or property chains of title. All of these things can be done on a digital ledger and they are more secure and they have less risk and they have, in many cases, lower cost points than the traditional ways of storing, analyzing, securing, and transacting data and thereby financial value as most, if not all, of our financial tools and ownership rights that we have in the world today are digitally recorded and transacted. I was reading on your website and just preparing for this interview, how does blockchain or that sort of technology help real estate? I know that you're not the CTO guy, but I know it's a big part of your business. How does that all work in terms of real estate investment or just real estate in general, rather? It's not just real estate. Real estate is a great talking point because people understand it. And we happen to have a deep background in real estate and real estate investment. And so that makes it an attractive space for us to play in where we know some of the rules, we know some of the tools, and we know some of the players. But basically, Blockchain can disrupt, reduce costs, reduce risk, add liquidity to any 
business vertical that has those types of aspects, right? You have an asset that is being lended against or taxed or transacted or transferred. And those events can be recorded, they can be transacted, and they can be secured with these technologies. And you can remove a lot of the infrastructure. You can remove a lot of the middlemen from these transactions. The entire purpose of a title insurance company, when you go to buy a house or you go to buy a condo or some land, is to inspect the chain of title of that property. They are looking at these paper documents recorded at the county that tell a story about this property from whenever we made up the inception of the property right. So at some point in time, some king or lord or something decided that this is mine and this is yours. And so then they began a paper trail of those events. And that creates a chain of title. That entire chain of events, all of the mortgages, all of the liens, all of the taxes assessed, all of those things that go back that entire chain of history are what these businesses are built to inspect, right? And then ensure against the possibility that that chain is not complete. Blockchains can impact every single facet of those transactions from how the titles of the properties are recorded all the way over to how a loan is transacted in between reselling parties on the back end and packaging parties on the back end of uh, mortgage lending. There's an entire industry that almost brought down the U.S. economy on the back end of mortgages that takes all of these loans and packages them into investments and sells out pieces of those investments and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's insurance products on those collateralized debt obligations and collateralized mortgage obligations. And so every single one of those is a set of transactions. And every single time you have a set of transactions, you have an inherent possibility of error. And you have an inherent possibility of risk. And there is a cost basis of transacting these instruments in between parties. We know what an escrow costs when you go to buy a house. You know how many thousands of dollars you're going to spend to have this paperwork verified and have this insurance policy put into place. So blockchains have the ability to drastically reduce some of the cost points in these types of structures. And that works in insurance. It works in healthcare. It works in government. It works in taxation. Anywhere that you have a if and then or a one to two or one to three transactional system, you are looking at something that could probably be done in a more secure, less middleman, lower cost way. And Mr. Snyder, that's really interesting and forward thinking. How did you guys get into that space? How did you guys know that this is going to be the way to go? I know that technology is ubiquitous and it's taken over everything, but to apply that to real estate, I think is personally very interesting. I hear a lot about it in healthcare. So what made you guys say, this is different, let's go after it? First of all, we have a background. And again, to be really clear, we have gone to market with Lannister Development as a full scope software development company for enterprise clients. And so that focus is about building these tools for many different industries and for many different verticals and getting to play many different games with these tools and these technologies. But why we went to market and why we are focused so much on the real estate as product for our company, as opposed to a service for our company, which is what we do with right for higher technical consulting and, and development work as a service. As the product side, it's a very natural fit for us to go into real estate. It's an industry that we have a deep experience set in. It's an industry that we understand very well. These structures that we're looking at utilizing 
for master limited partnerships in the state of Arizona, for these different kinds of use cases for syndicated and tax advantaged real estate investment and building blockchain tools for that is an obvious fit for us because we know the players and we know the game. It's easy to go in and understand something that you've used traditionally before and then look at our experience set from playing with blockchains and deploying blockchains and other types of cutting edge technologies and the work that Chris has done and the work that Jonathan has done and understand that we get to put those two worlds together in a very kind of new way, what we think is a new way. And also that we get to put those two worlds together from a perspective of we know the business case. We've been investors in these things and we've deployed these things in the real world on the traditional method. And now we're looking at how can we make them better with these tools. So real estate's a very easy vertical for us to understand and play with. Additionally to that, there's a lot of use cases for blockchain that are really hard for people to understand. And as a company with a public market, as a publicly traded company, as a company that has a public facing brand for our software development and things, and as a company with disparate stakeholders, we had to make sure that we had a communications message and a go-to-market strategy and a vertical focus that people could understand and engage with. And people understand real estate. Even if you've never bought a house before, you understand that these transactions, there's a lot of these transactions, they go on a lot and they're kind of complex and burdensome and there's a lot of paperwork. Everybody understands that. And so we're able to take that understanding from our, the messaging side, and the public relations side of our business and our communication side with stakeholders. And we're able to communicate very clearly something that most people get on a really basic level and people understand. If we start talking about the interconnected reinsurance contracts between high-risk commercial disaster insurance policies, everybody goes to sleep. Nobody wants to have you on their show. Nobody calls you back for a podcast. So... As much as our experience weighs into it and our network weighs into it and our ability to deploy these technologies weighs into it, the other factor there was honestly a go-to-market play for us to look at how we could communicate what these tools do and have people get it and understand that it's not just Bitcoin. It's not just crypto. Those are use cases of a blockchain. Just like your Apple iPhone is not Angry Birds. Angry Birds is an app on your phone. And so cryptocurrencies are, I believe, very important to the future. I think that they're the way that currency moves, even if there's all kinds of conflict around that and discussions around that that you have. I'm not really a crypto guy. I understand the use case and I get it. But we're really looking at what are the other applications. And now that these technologies have matured to a point, we have to thank cryptocurrencies for that. We have to thank cryptocurrencies for being the thing that got adaptation and got media awareness and got these things tested and utilized at scale for an extended period of time. It's very hard for new technologies to do. So thank you for that. But now that the transactions per second on blockchains like Ethereum, where you can deploy smart contracts and have these things happen with the Ethereum virtual machine, you need that transactions per second to be fast enough that enterprise clients and people that are looking to deploy this at scale in an infrastructure and do lots and lots and lots and lots of deals and lots of moving parts and lots of if and then agreements that the system can handle that and it can handle it at a cost effective rate and at scale. And so three years ago, that wasn't really possible with these technologies. They had to mature. And even now, we're really at the jumping point where now they're just about getting fast enough with transactions per second to be truly viable at scale, where they're just getting to the point where 
they're starting to knock on the door of being competitive to like the visa network. And it's not quite there yet, I don't think, but it's definitely headed in that direction. And there's a lot of really smart people, way smarter than me, that are working on those things now to bring these technologies to the point where they're truly deployable and scalable in the enterprise world. That's what we're here to help educate and facilitate and evangelize. One thing I always think is fascinating is public versus private companies. There's benefits to both. So what sort of prompted you guys to say, okay, we want to take that step and be a publicly traded company? Multifaceted reasons, of course. Number one for us was we really had to have identified something that was truly scalable and in a blue ocean. And when we're looking at the actual adaptation of blockchain, we believe that it's longer in the tooth than many of the hype people wanted to say. It's in a consultative phase right now. There's a lot of very large companies, middle market companies, looking at these things and saying, we think these might do something cool, but we don't really understand exactly what they do and we don't know how they fit. And that creates a consultative cycle. And that consultative cycle is about coming in and helping those companies understand that and having a product that those companies can say, hey, I want you guys to send in a team, analyze my vertical, analyze my company, and come in and give our executives a download on what is blockchain, how does it fit, where might it fit, and what are some test cases that we might be able to deploy. And so that's a product that we offer, right? If you're an executive in a middle market or enterprise company or even a mom and pop company that's interested, we offer that as a service. And we'll send, heck, I'll come out to your company. Let's shake hands and say hi, right? My schedule's pretty busy, but we'll find time there somewhere. So it had to be a blue ocean. And a blue ocean is a space where you can look around and yeah, there might be other sharks in the ocean. There might be other competitors in the space, but the water's not just red with blood from all of your competitors just shredding everything in sight. And then it had to be really scalable. And the future of blockchain, we believe, is the future of systems and processes for the way that we run our internet. And we believe that on a core technological basis. And so this play is based on that belief, plus other beliefs around other future tech that our guys like to play with. IoT, 5G, Swarm Robotics, there's all kinds of fun things. But those things are scalable, right? And we went public because in this space, especially at this time, and when we formed Lannister at the beginning of this year to go public and to do this thing, there was a lot and there is still is a lot of confusion around is blockchain Bitcoin, isn't Bitcoin blockchain. And that whole crypto side of things is a very wild west kind of unregulated thing. I don't if you go to these kind of conventions and things, and there's a lot of brilliant people and building some very cool things, but it's a very wild west sort of a feel to it. And we really wanted to come to market from a standpoint of being able to stand up and say, look, we're already regulated. We already have a market. We already have to answer to FINRA. We already have to do things with the SEC. We have securities attorneys. We have finance people. We have filings that we have to make. And so we're already regulated. And we're looking at how these technologies, not necessarily crypto, 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 but we're looking at how these technologies impact, improve, and, and disrupt these different verticals and how these companies can not only come in and impact their vertical, impact their business, lower their costs, improve their security, whatever those things might do for their use case. But also the fact that right now, there's a really wide open space on filing intellectual property for the uses that you're deploying with blockchain in these different verticals. And that's a whole value set for companies to get a product, get a software, get a technology that lowers costs and reduces risks and has some great impacts and also get to own the rights to how your vertical does that with that technology is potentially very valuable to all of the business's stakeholders. 
You mentioned earlier, and I was, like I mentioned, doing my research, you are a serial entrepreneur. I guess my question is, what motivates you to keep creating and what challenges have you overcame? And what about this business do you feel is your biggest challenge? I am driven by curiosity. I get bored very easily. And we've had some great successes. We've had some epic failures with the real estate crash. I mean, I was as blind and egotistical and ignorant at that time as a successful person can be. I know that guy. And I don't want to be that guy. So I do a lot of yoga. I focus on stoicism. And we've really designed Lannister around a lifestyle by design focus. And we are completely remote work. So we don't have an office anywhere in the world. As far as I know, we're the only publicly traded company that was started and run completely remote work from A to Z. So those ideologies that we have evolved and those experiences, even the experiences of really having disconnected and unfulfilled success, really have informed my choices and my decisions about what are the things that I want to do and what are the things that I'm willing to invest my time and my energy and my passion into. And this structure, this moment in time, these technologies are truly incredible. And there's been some iterations of technology, the internet, cell phones, these kind of stepping stones of technology that some people got to play with because they saw them coming. And I felt like we were kind of gifted that viewpoint when Chris was playing with blockchains and different things. And we knew we wanted to play with some future tech. We knew that that was something that we wanted to do, but we didn't know which technology was really, we thought, going to be something that was truly scalable for us as a go-to-market strategy and truly scalable from a point of view of being able to stay curious and work on a bunch of different really cool projects and have our team stay really engaged and working on different things. And blockchain really seems to fill that, to check that box. There's very interesting, very disruptive, very cool things that we get to do with these technologies. And they're deployable now. The tech is now. And we're, we look like we're a little bit early to the enterprise market. And I think that's exactly where we wanted to be. I know you guys work remotely, but you're sort of based in, in Arizona. Is that a hotbed for technology? Of course, you hear about New York and Silicon Valley, somewhere in Texas, usually at Austin, as being sort of places where there's an emerging technology scene. But you really don't hear about that in Arizona. So is that a challenge for you guys to get people to hear more about you? Or what sort of obstacles do you guys come across being based in Arizona? Boy, no obstacles at all. We actually selected Arizona. So I actually live in California. And our CTO up until two weeks ago lived in Bogota, Colombia. His wife's Colombian was finishing a contract there. And so we chose Arizona tactically. First of all, Arizona has one of the most incredibly vibrant tech communities in the country. And ASU and the other universities and schools there turn out some of the best tech talent on the planet. It's an amazing, amazing place for doing business. It's a very pro-business state. The governor has signed a blockchain sandbox law that allows for a lot of cool things to be deployed on blockchain. Financial services we can deploy in the real world for up to two years, for up to 10,000 customers without necessarily all of the full regulatory approvals and things that you normally have to go through for new financial products. And the state of Arizona has a blockchain law that signatures are legal and recognized and enforceable on blockchain. That's really important if you want to execute a contract on blockchain. So between all of that and then the fact that 
there's probably, and Silicon Valley will kill me for this, fine, there's more money there, I get it. But there's probably a better capital structure and more liquidity around Phoenix than almost anywhere else. It's a massive, massive, massive pool of retirement money coming from all over the country, people moving there. And it's got a very vibrant venture capital environment, a very vibrant investment environment. Francine Hardaway out of Scottsdale recently joined our advisory board. She's an incredible, brilliant entrepreneur and public relations woman and mentor and investor and angel and everything else. And she's right there in Scottsdale with these incredible groups of people who are funding the next generations of technology. You know, there's a reason that Uber and Waymo and everybody are testing all of their cars in in Phoenix and on the streets of Scottsdale and Tempe. There's a reason that these companies are building massive warehouses and giant call centers all over Phoenix and Arizona. And it's not the weather in the summer, let me tell you. Mr. Snyder, where do you see Lannister in the next five years? You guys are fairly young company, but you have accomplished a lot. You've covered a lot of ground. So what's next for you guys? We aim to scale our organization. We have several focuses. One is on strategic partnerships and deploying products to market with those partnerships around financial services and insurance. And another is acquiring and filing large amounts of intellectual property around blockchain and other future technologies. We believe that intellectual property is a real asset to our company and our stakeholders. And we're aggressively looking at acquisitions where we can get things that we think have been built in cool ways and that might be uh, marketable and have more impact than they're currently having. And then on the Lannister development side, our goal is to be a market leader in blockchain development, a global leader working with governments and institutions and universities around the world. And so we want to have a very solid slice of global market share of blockchain and future tech development. And that's where we're headed over the next five years. This is awesome. Did you have a great time, Mr. Snyder? I really did. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no worries. And the last and final thing I always like for people to promote, see where people can find them. So where, if people want to find out more about Lannister, where can they locate you guys? So you can go to LannisterHoldings.com. You can go to LannisterDevelopment.com. I am probably most active on Twitter or LinkedIn. Twitter's at Lannister CEO. And on LinkedIn, you can look up Lannister Holdings and then we're all listed there as employees. The company is on Twitter at Lannister Dev. And you can find us on the website and you can Google our stock. It's the ticker symbol is NBDR, Nancy Bravo Delta Robert on the OTC market here in the U.S. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Snyder. I learned a lot. The audience has learned quite a bit as well. I really appreciate it. And we'll definitely keep in touch. Thank you so much. Have a great day. 